sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. Here you are. BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, let me just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Dr. Ellen Hendrickson, and this is the Savvy Psychologist podcast. And every week, I'll help you meet life's challenges with evidence-based research a sympathetic ear, and zero judgment. Now, overparenting is a verb that didn't exist some years ago. But over a decade, as Stanford University's dean of freshmen, Julie Lithcott-Hames noticed a precipitous rise in parental involvement in students' lives. Every year, parents were exerting more control over their kids' academic work, extracurriculars, even their career choices, with the resulting effect of kids who were accomplished but couldn't think advocate, or fend for themselves. So she wrote what is now the New York Times bestselling book, How to Raise an Adult. Break free of the overparenting trap and prepare your kid for success. It's been described as a provocative manifesto. And in it, Lithcott Hames reveals the research on the detrimental effects of helicopter parenting and offers an alternative philosophy for raising self-sufficient young adults. Julie Lithcott Hames, welcome to the show. Ellen, thank you so much for having me. You know, I was struck when you first uh, opened the show, you you told your listeners that you would bring a sympathetic ear and no judgment. And in some ways, that's finally what I've been able to do with this book. I was once a very judgmental dean, concerned about what I was seeing in my young adult uh, students, the extent to which they seemed so beholden to parents to tell them what to do and how to do it and remind them what to do and fix things when things went wrong. And I was concerned and I was frustrated and I would kind of speak with a bit of an edge to parents. And then I discovered I was on track to become one of those parents with my own two kids. And I was finally able to bring, you know, that very sympathetic, compassionate, um, approach to this problem we've got going on in the, that we call overparenting. Yes. Well, I, in reading your book, I was really struck by how empathetic it is. It's uh, that we all feel these hopes for our kids and these fears for our kids. And so it makes it really easy to fall into that overparenting trap. But in your book, you cover this phenomenon, this phenomenon of parents increasingly being there, quote unquote, being there for their kids, which, you know, sounds supportive and harmless, but taken to extremes can become something else entirely. So what happens in, in your experience when parents are there for their kids in the extreme? What happens to the kid and what happens to the parent? Well, you're the savvy psychologist. I'm the former <laughs> lawyer turned university dean turned writer, but I have, so lacking the background in psychology myself, I really had to dig in and see what psychologists were examining by way of parental involvement in the lives of kids and to what extent 
parents' behavior was helpful versus harmful. And here's what I think it boils down to. When we are there too much, when we are planning things for them, hovering over it to make sure it's always going well, perfectly, when we're reminding them, when we're interfering, intervening, when something doesn't go well, we achieve a short-term win for our kids. You know, they are safer. They are attended to. They might get a higher grade because we've, you know, been there to correct the math homework. They might get more playing time because we've argued with the coach. You know, they might get that opportunity they would otherwise not have gotten because we reminded them of the deadline or filled out their app for them. Short-term wins come at a long-term cost. When we overhelp, we are essentially depriving our kids of the chance to develop self-efficacy, which, as I understand it, is this pretty an important um, elemental concept within the human psyche that we know we exist. We have self-efficacy when we see that our own actions have results. When parents overhelp, we're kind of interrupting that natural developmental process. The kid um, ends up with a with a with a thinner or a brittle or fragile sense of self because they haven't done enough of the thinking and doing and coping with things, handling of things for themselves. Ask Sherwin Williams and get thirty percent off direct and Super Deck products May 17th through the 20th. That means 30% off our most popular color family, blue. Psychologists have found it to be soothing and relaxing, which makes it especially great for bedrooms and bathrooms. And of course, get 30% off all of our other colors. Shop the sale online or visit your neighborhood Sherwin-Williams store. Click the banner to learn more. Retail sales only. Some exclusions apply. See store for details. Cheers to a great day and this ice-cold Corona. You know what would make this day even better? My grandma's carne asada. Or your grandma here with us, making carne asada. She does love a cold Corona. Throw in some dancing. Oh, we can watch the game. I'll drink to that. So a backyard concert with football, food, dancing, and Corona? And your grandma. Or we could keep it simple. Simple is good. Want a Corona? Thanks. Salud to the perfect day. Corona, la vida más fina. Get your Corona at ordercorona.com. Relax responsibly. Corona extra beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. Now, speaking of psychological issues, so your book also talks about the explosion of anxiety and depression among college students and young adults. And so personally, I've seen this firsthand because I work at a university-affiliated anxiety specialty center, and currently fully half of my patients are 25 and under. So why is this happening? What, what is going on with this spike in anxiety and depression, and what can we do about it? Well, you know, the link between the way kids are parented and higher rates of anxiety and depression is just beginning to be studied. I cite a few studies in my book um, in the chapter on how we're psychologically harming our kids. But essentially, it seems to be there seems to be this connection between overhelp and uh, higher rates of anxiety and depression, which I presume links back to this lack of self-efficacy or learned helplessness. We're doing too much of the living of life for our kids and we're depriving them of the chance 
to feel a sense of their own existence, of their own accomplishment. Uh, they don't trust their own ability to handle things because they haven't had to handle much. You know, they've been accustomed to looking up and noticing our careful, watchful, worried eyes attending their every moment. And I think my guess is, you know, as they get out into the world and they don't see us right there, able to nod or prod or encourage, they're really quite bewildered at having to summon the wherewithal um, and the know-how within themselves to make a decision, make a choice, handle a relatively small problem. There's also been a lot uh, to this childhood that's been about perfection. Um, and we should step back and say, I think the communities where this is, is tends to be endemic is in uh, middle and upper middle class communities where parents have you know, the money and the time in order to invest in cultivating their kids every moment, every afternoon. And so, you know, kids have had their path smoothed and perfected by parents. Parents have been intolerant of imperfection. Kids get to college. And what I hear from my colleagues who run, you know, the mental health centers here and there is that they don't seem to have any confidence in their own ability to handle the stuff of life that naturally comes, like a grade that's a B or a C or a D, or a roommate conflict, or a disappointment over rejection from a club, you know, or not being chosen for a particular activity. They seem to not know themselves within the context of struggle. They don't have, you know, the muscle memory for, oh, I, you know, when something like this happens, when something goes wrong, here's how I handle it. They don't know how to handle it. And I think this manner of overparenting has done that to them. Yeah, it sounds like they've never gotten a chance to practice either struggling or failing or what have you, because their parents have always stepped in and, like you said, smoothed it over. So your book does far more than detail only the problems. It's also full of suggestions and solutions. And so I was particularly struck by the section on the importance of possessing a sense of purpose. And so how is purpose defined? Why is it so important? And how can parents help, but not overhelp, of course, their kids develop it? Yeah. Well, you know, there's a real guru on this subject, Bill Damon. He's a faculty member in psychology and education. He's written a lot of definitive work around adolescence. And he says, we all need a purpose, that life is really well lived when you have a sense of purpose, as in what is it that you really want your life to be about? And I believe that. I know it to be true from my own life. I know it to be, you know, a really important concept from, from my years working as a dean with college students. Whether you want to call it purpose or path uh, or calling, it's sort of the rudder. It's the thing that answers the question, you know, why do you do what you do? Those who study these things say that purpose matters, that life is more meaningful and rewarding when we have a sense of purpose. The trouble is, Ellen, we've decided that in furtherance of our kids getting into the quote-unquote right colleges, often that's the driver these days, our kid needs to find their passion, their path, their purpose by the time they're 17 or 18 so they can show it to a college admissions dean. We've made it right. a utilitarian thing, like find your purpose, find your passion, like it's hiding on a shelf over there. And if you just look hard enough, you can find it and impress someone with it. And that's not how a human finds their purpose or their passion. So here's how we parents can help, according to Bill Damon, who I quote in my book. It's not for us to give our kids a passion or a purpose. We can no more give them that, he says, than we can change their personality. No. Okay? So we got to get our own egos out of it. It's not what we want them to be. 
we need to do is look for a spark of interest in our kids. Think of a spark of interest, like the little spark of a flame. And then we fan the flames. Okay. That is we encourage whatever their interest is. So whatever our means are, however much we can provide our kids by way of schooling and enriching opportunity, we look for them to create the spark, to show us the spark of their interests, their abilities, and then we fan those flames, which means we encourage what we see in them rather than try to create that spark for them. Yeah, I think the part about it having to be intrinsic, it has to be internal to the kid, is really important. So like we talked about in the beginning, a, a lot of us parents have you know, fallen into the overparenting trap here or there. And like you said, as a dean, I criticized helicopter parents, but then I realized I was one. I had to do something about it. So for you, what are the biggest changes you've made as a parent as a result of writing the book? Well, you know, my aha moment came one day. Uh, my kids were eight and 10. They're currently teenagers, 15, almost 15 and 17. And But when they were eight and 10, I came home from work one day. I'd just given a big speech to new parents of Stanford freshmen, basically trying to tell them to trust their kid and trust us. And now please leave, you know, go. Home. <laughs> and then I came home the next day to my own house and leaned over at dinner and began cutting my 10 year old son's meat. And that was my aha moment. Like, wait a minute, I'm cutting his meat. He's 10. What am I afraid of? Why can't he not hold this knife in his own hand? When will he learn if not now? You know, and I realized I'm on track, of course, to not being able to let go of an 18 year old because if I'm still cutting his meat now, you know, there are so many skills he has to learn between cut your meat and be ready to be on your own. So I began paying attention to things like that. What can my kids not do that I could do when I was their age? You know, well, I could walk to the corner store and buy things. Why don't I let my kids? I'm afraid. Why am I afraid? Because the world is unsafe. Is it less safe than it was in the 70s? No, it is safer. Violent crime against all humans, children to adults is down, way down since I was growing up. We've let the media you know, make us fear for our kids' lives and wellness at every moment, at every turn. And that's made us keep them inside under our careful watch so they don't learn these skills of walking into the corner store and buying something and, and having to bring home change and having to ask a question of the clerk. I just began to notice the extent to which my kids were kind of living in a cage of my overprotection, comparing it to my own childhood, and then reading up about how important it is for kids to have greater and greater independence every year. Another thing is language, Ellen. Parents these days say we when we mm. mean our kids, right? We're on the travel soccer team. Oh, we've gotten into that special magnet school. Yeah, we've gotten our college apps in. Well, no, actually, your kid is on the travel soccer team. Your kid's going to the magnet school, and your kid darn well better be doing their own applications, not, you know, you. Because when we have this sense that we are involved in all of this, this is where we're undercutting our kid's sense of self. Like, no, it's their accomplishment. It's their effort. And if it's not, that's a real problem. So changing language, uh, stopping saying we when we mean you know, my son or daughter, that's really important. We're also arguing with all the adults in their lives. We've decided teachers can't be trusted, principals, superintendents, coaches, referees, etc. We act as our kids' advocate, as if, you know, they need someone arguing on their behalf all at all times. You know, kids need to learn to speak up for themselves, and we can model it for them. We can model how you have a respectful, thoughtful conversation where you advocate for your needs, but the sooner we can get out of their way and expect our kid to go talk to his or her teacher, you know, for almost everything. There are times when we need to escalate, but we've decided everything requires escalation. So, you know, everything is an emergency. Everything is a make-or-break moment for their future, and, and so our kids kind of stand there as we hold them on a leash, walking them down the path of their own life, doing all the work for them. 
you asked me what I've changed. I kind of made it what we can all change, but I'm attending to those things. I am desiring my kids' independence. I'm desiring that they build more skills. I'm desiring that they have more confidence in their own abilities. Well, Julie, thank you so much for being on the show. And I, as I read your book, I found myself actually saying yes out loud <laughs> to your sound and practical advice. And I really appreciate that your book is reasoned and never preachy and very empathetic. So thank you so much for writing it. And I wish you nothing but the best with the paperback release, which comes out, remind me when? Ah, paperback, I believe it's August 2nd. Okay. Really appreciate being on the show. Look, I wrote this book because I care about humans and with the best of intentions, we parents are unintentionally harming our kids. We need to remember this, Ellen. Our job as parents is to put ourselves out of a job. Yes. And our kids to self-actualized independence. We will not always be here for them. That awful day will one day come when we can't do everything for our kids and we need to know they won't be bewildered without us. Well, I say the same thing as a therapist. My job is to make myself obsolete. <laughs> so Julie Lithgott-Hames, a New York Times bestselling book is How to Raise an Adult, Break Free of the Overparenting Trap and Prepare Your Kid for Success. You'll find it at local bookstores, online, or anywhere else books are sold. If you love the show, never miss an episode by subscribing to The Savvy Psychologist on iTunes or Stitcher or listening on Spotify, or get every episode delivered straight to your inbox by signing up for the Savvy Psychologist newsletter at quickanddirtytips.com slash newsletter. And of course, check us out on Facebook to find lots of archived episodes no longer available on iTunes. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Dr. Ellen Hendrickson, and the Savvy Psychologist is strictly for informational purposes and doesn't substitute for mental health care from a licensed professional. Thanks again. I'll see you next week for a happier, healthier mind. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben & Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.